you left off. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the clap on both sides. We are back after much uh, living life and stuff to podcasting, having scotch, and what, what are you drinking? Got got. Oh, this masthead uh, paradise. Mm. So Scotch and Masthead Paradise uh, with a little kicker of Nod Creek because we're still gunning for that. <laughs> hey, now. Yep. Wood Era and Metal, what, like a rated number five jazz podcast in Albania or something? That works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got that going for me. Yeah. Um, and all that other stuff. So we figured we'd kick this back up and tackle a small subject of, oh, I don't know, AI and music. Because this happens to be the thing that everybody's... Some people are panicking about. Some people are praising. Other people are just like, can I make money off of riding this train? <laughs> so it, uh, I, I sit on the money aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mostly sit on the I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about it either. Um, you know, it, it was like the, there was a mad panic article that came out a few days ago saying that there was an AI-powered drone that the Air Force had. And it went out, and it was just like it would be given targets, and it would have to ask the uh, operator if it could fire or not. And so it kept, uh, you know, and the operator would sometimes be yes and sometimes be no. And it said, the operator must have said no too many times, so the thing turned around and killed the operator. Because it was oh, interfering. Right. It, it, this is the story, at least. And turned around and killed the operator because it interfered with the mission. So obviously that sent shockwaves through everything. So they decided, okay, well, you know, we need to shut this thing down. It shut the thing down. They rebooted the program, went out again, doing the same thing. And then it realized that it could be shut down via the communication system. So it took out the communication system so it could continue to do its mission I, unabated. I just have a hard that, time believing that's actually true. Oh, it's not true. It's not true. But everybody ran with it as a terror story. You know, I reached out to a military buddy of mine. I'm like, I am extremely suspect. And he's like, yeah, no, no, that never happened. (laughs) I I guess like so in my like day gig, I work a lot with that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not it's not what people think it is. People think that AI is this like thinking machine that like makes makes decisions. um can like form thoughts and like decide like it's sentient or something like that but it's it's not that at all that's not even it's not like that at all even even if you look at like chat gpt and all that stuff which is fun if you if you haven't played with it yeah um you can tell though if you play with it for a little while it's really just like a database of information Yep. And then it sort of cleverly knows how to put it together. Now, it's fascinating how it works, and it, it's a very good language model. But, mm-hmm. like, ChatGPT isn't sitting there, quant- like, like quant- uh, contemplating, like, hmm, so I'm on a train, and I'm moving away from a clock. If I was going the speed of light, blah, 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 and, like, all of a sudden discovers relativity or whatever. Like, <laughs> like it's not doing anything like that. It's not, like, that's not how it works. It just takes the information it has... So I guess just in the in terms of the music side of things is it's not saying like oh I wonder what sounds good if I tried all these things what would sound good it's kind of just taking the information that it's hearing sounds right. good and then and even like if you look at ChatGPT which I'm assuming that most of the music models are somewhat similar in a way you don't you don't necessarily know where the information's coming from but it's still coming from like it's like a probability sort of like um, 
Oh, I have a ready for a premium Microsoft thing. Ooh. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it, you know, it, it's just looking at information that it's like, oh, people really like this this music. I was told that this music was popular, and this was a this was a chord progression that was popular, and it's been in these many songs. So if I make something with that chord progression, and I start the melody on the third, and I do this kind of like because this many songs started with on the third, it's it's kind of like it's not doing anything very creative. It's just sort of making stuff. I don't know. It's kind of fun. Another one is kind of funny. And I'm gonna then I'll let you go for a second. It's just like when drum machines came out. Um, that was like the big first like music modeling, like oh. Like we're gonna get rid of drummers, kind of thing, and, and maybe to some degree it's gotten rid of some drummers um, for some genres of music or whatever. Uh, not that they were really there to begin with, but but it's kind of funny. Like a rap bands now like have the best drummers on the planet yeah. in their bands. I mean, it's sort of this funny thing. So it's like even though that's gotten really advanced and stuff like that, and I mean, and you pretty much have any groove you can think of, it it's still not having a drummer. So. I don't know. I guess in general, I'm not that worried about it. And I certainly don't think it's like coming after the modern jazz world or whatever. No, I, I, and I, that's uh, like, I remember I'm dating myself on this one, but uh, ever rem- uh, do you remember the 3DO? It was a, is game- that a gaming, you said? Was yeah. that Nintendo or something? No, it was a third. It was my neck. Right? No, it wasn't my neck. It was uh, somebody else. Either way, it was like the first big 32-bit CD system. But yeah, I came yeah. out before PlayStation, but right around that time. And I was working at a gaming store at that time. Was it a TurboGrafx-16, though? Because that was no. like my jam. Nope. No, it was It was after that. Not the same company. Yeah. Neck did TurboGrafx and SuperGrafx and the uh, uh, those ones. But uh, anyways, there was a... Uh, music program you could buy for the thing where it would make music up. And one of the guys came in. Uh, I didn't have one. I, I wasn't going to pay that much money for something like that. But um, he was like, that's actually, you know, he's like, it doesn't have a lot of dynamics, but it does a decent job of coming up with something. You know, if you just... And so, so in one sense, AI and computer assistance in music um, was probably in its infancy back then, but it's exactly yeah. as described it now is where it's taking the information you're giving it and manipulating it in within those parameters which in one sense that's music making to begin with you're taking the information you want and putting it within a certain set of parameters and writing it out and or playing it and so on now granted that's like at sitting down on with a blank score and coming up with a 12 tone row type of thing and using that as a comp- uh, compositional device and then there's I guess you could almost say the if we're going to compare the two, the more human aspect of composition where you're just doodling on your instrument and you're like, oh, that was kind of cool. And so yeah. you write it out and then you develop that idea. And that, I think, is that's just not happening at any significant level, period, because that doesn't have the the emotive interaction that happens when you're sitting with an instrument and you find something that kind of is like, oh, that's a kind of a cool idea, and then you start building it. Yeah. So I think it's you're completely right in one the panic overblown, but we'll leave that to the side. But just talking about like because there was that song with Drake 
or whatever that came out at Drake and The Weeknd that wasn't either of them. It was just an AI took both their voices oh, right. together to make up a song. Sure. You know, and it did it pretty dang convincingly. I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah. you see those things uh, like but, Katy Perry sings Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or, or my favorite thing is to watch like the presidents play video games. Or it's got right. Trump and Biden and Obama, and even Ben Shapiro showed up in some of them. It's so damn funny. Oh have you, my have God. you seen the? Uh, somebody sent me the Arnold Schwarzenegger singing the uh, Sound of Music. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so good. So, uh, <laughs> get to the chopper. <sighs> it's uh, you know, it's um. So you're dealing with the, the fundamental things of somebody's taste, pulling all the information and telling it what to do. You don't have some computer sitting in a warehouse somewhere being like, oh, I'm just going to do this. At least not yet. You know, God only knows. Yeah, was, in general, it's not creative, right? Like, that's the best part that it's missing. I mean, could it make derivative music that look, that sounds that people like or whatever and it'll end up being popular? I mean, it might... Well, absolutely, because that Drake song was like skyrocketing like crazy. Yeah. Everybody thought one, they thought it was legit, and two, it was that convincing. Which, you know, to hop, uh, let's play a little bit of the AI advocate thing. It's like the question is, is like, what is? It leads to the question of what is creativity? Like, what is the fundamental bottom line that makes something creative? Because in one sense, we're all writing stuff that's derivative from what we've heard. Sure. It's just the nature of it. You know, you get exposed to it. There's certain tastes that you like. So those become a part of you. You know, it's like when some stuff that I've been writing, I'm like, holy crap, that, that that's me in my teenage years listening to you too. Or, you know, that's me playing, oh, sure. you know, and, and so it, uh, I remember with one track I did for uh, something, uh, my buddy was like, oh yeah, that totally sounds like doom. And it kicked the wind out of my sails because I thought I came up with something really cool. And I was like, oh no, no, that, that is like, directly yeah. from mick gordon type of thing not the same but like the same uh you right know, that, that there so you know with those things out there it all depends to a degree broad brush but it's it all depends on how you define what's truly creative because it's like when bands or students are tell me like oh my band just does something completely original and it's like no no you don't you don't yeah no, that's that's fair though I think like you suggested though is it it doesn't know what it sounds like right it doesn't have any frame of reference it's yeah. only it can only go by what somebody said sounded cool or maybe it said oh i've noticed a lot of people think this little passage sounds cool as a data point but if you're just sitting by your guitar and you play something you're like oh what's that like it doesn't it doesn't know it doesn't do that it can't yeah. do that now, it might be derivative of something else, so maybe it could get there from some other direction. Well, in one sense, it's a derivative of the spectacle culture, if we're going to throw things yeah. back. Well, yeah. so I was going to say that the Drake thing or whatever, that's pure pure spectacle culture, I would assume. Yep. Um, my my semi-novice opinion now that I had like one like hour-long podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, you have to listen to it. Oh, that, was a, that was like three hours, I thought. That the, was like the Mark Worrell one is... Uh, it's like was, our greatest episode, probably. Yeah, um, one. Or at least sure. in terms of like thought provoking or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think. That, but yeah, so that that was popular though because it's a spectacle. It's like right now it's AI. So you're like it's in the news. It's in the whatever. It's like, well, whatever. Something was gonna catch. Like what songs first that's gonna come out that somebody that's gonna do, and it's just gonna change everything. 
I think there's other tracks too. Oh, I think there's like I think there's tons now. You can go on YouTube and especially the ones that are like Taylor Swift sings Ice Ice Baby or something. I don't you know or whatever it is. <laughs> All the cover tunes you wanted to hear but didn't. Uh, yeah, and, they, and they're like not perfect, but they're pretty close kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, that's the thing. It's for the the shit and giggle type of thing. It works great because you're like, ha, that's entertaining. You, you know what's uh, funny about this topic, and I don't mean to totally sidetrack, but I had a, I'd started a conversation on my Facebook page this week, and it's, I, I would say like every month or two, I do some very controversial thing that's going to make like half the people hate me. Yeah, um, and yeah. this this one was about, um, and it it just took off like crazy. I mean, there's hundreds of, I think there's like a hundred plus comments now, and um, it was about. Um, tribute bands in particular, like the ones that um, copy, like they, they want to look like, you know, the Beatles, they talk like the Beatles, they like found conversations of the Beatles playing at Wembley Stadium and they use that as their like things they say, like so it's like a whole, and then they make the stage the same, they use the same clothes, the same guitars, the same amps, the same whatever, you know, and and to me that's like one of the grossest things in music that was sort of my take it, to me that's the same as like i'm gonna make a movie and i'm gonna call it star battle and i'm gonna literally take the exact star wars script i'm gonna take the same outfits that they used i'm gonna get people that look and act just like the same as the people that are in the movie and i'm gonna use the same music but i'm, I'm gonna like play it with a different orchestra or whatever you know like i'm gonna do like everything the same um and then i'm gonna say that's a star battle this is the better star wars you know this is the ultimate star wars experience even better than the original and just put that out you know what i mean and like I I get why musicians do it. So my my whole take was like I get why musicians do it because it's like a good way to make like real money. And I know, but I have some good friends. And I was like, I'm probably gonna take this post down because I actually have some good friends that do these tribute bands. Why? And they uh, they make great money. I mean, they make like six figures plus. They're playing to two to five thousand people a night. Um, my problem is like, why do you want to see that? Like, I don't understand why regular people want to see that. And so then I think about the AI thing, and it's like, well, maybe that's all you like. It's just like, that's the ultimate copy. Like, I'm just going to copy Freddie Mercury, and I'm going to be like, what would it be like if Freddie Mercury, Jimmy Page, a Ringo Starr, and Keith Emerson were all, all the same band, you know, like, and I want, I want that band. That's what I, I always wanted to hear that all-star band or whatever. I like maybe you could sort of do that with AI and then like is that what people really want to see they just want to see like these they want to see star battles they'd rather watch star battles than watch a new sci-fi movie well you know it's like fan fiction you know to basically you know it's taking the same uh, ideas and the same characters and putting no, them in well, no, but those are different stories though You'd, I would think it would be more or less like I'm going to call myself Pennywise and I'm gonna write a bunch of Stephen King books, but I'm just gonna write them. I'm gonna write the same exact story, and okay, I'm gonna do it in my my Steve, my best Stephen King impression. And so like, it, it almost will look like the same exact story, the same amount of words. 
I'm going to put in the same kind of binder. I'm going to use a similar picture for the cover. Like, I'm going to write the same story, but I'm going to call myself Pennywise and say I'm the ultimate Stephen King, like, experience, you know, or whatever. Like, that's, it's the same thing. I don't know how, understand how it's different. Or, uh, you know what? My name's Leonardo Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to paint a bunch of paintings with the same brushes, the same kind of paint. And use the same material. I'm gonna paint the same paintings that Leonardo da Vinci did, and the same drawings and all that. The same material, and I'm gonna put it out and I'm gonna sell it. I think it's gross. I think, uh, to an extent, I see exactly where you're coming from with that, and I would I wouldn't say that it doesn't bother me because, like, you get like that Zozo Zeppelin tribute thing, and they sound great. They sound exactly like Zeppelin does, and they look and they play the part. Um, but it's it, the thing that bugs me is just coattailing on somebody. Like, they're not seeing the band Zozo. They want to see and experience Led Zeppelin in some way. Yeah. Because beyond their, like, that's the only way out you and I would experience them because they were long gone before we, uh, right. we got to we could get to it. But you would but the, the so, thing is you're still not seeing Zeppelin no matter how close they exactly, are. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. It's like you're still not getting the authentic thing of them there because it's not the originals and it can sound yeah. close. And then you have like grand, bands like Greta Van Fleet since we're talking about Zeppelin that is basically Led Zeppelin 2.0. Like they took Well, so that's more of a main that's a manufactured thing too, right? Like But that's the, exactly my point. It's like they're they're both manufactured. Experience. So why, yeah? So if that's successful, so yeah, going back to the AI thing, if the Greta Van Fleet thing is successful, then sure, there's probably going to be a bunch of AI like fakeness that's going to be success- successful. Be like, what if the Beatles were around today and they had modern technology? Like, what would they sound like today? You know, it's like, what? I don't, you know, all no. that stuff. And people would like, I don't, I don't really get it, like. I don't, I, I don't, I, again, I, I get why musicians do it. For one, it's fun to play music no matter what. I mean, we've played like in pit orchestras and stuff and like, it's fun when there's people that are into it or whatever. It's fun. It's just fun to play loud and play music and have a crowd cheering. But mm-hmm. I had a friend uh, who commented on there um, and I'll, I'll leave out who he is and I'll just respect, but if, I guess if you wanted to find out, you could. He, he played in a pretty successful tribute band for his favorite band in the whole world the band that like inspired him and he was just like it was so easy to fill the room it was so easy to get gigs they never had to like like promotion was way different like it wasn't that hard to promote but but the thing is he he realized at some point that like he commented like that people weren't coming to see him right they were coming to see that band and in a way, he was actually doing a disservice to that band, was sort of his interpretation after a while. He's like, even though it was his favorite band and he was sort of doing it as an honor, he just got to the point where it was like, this is, this just feels wrong. You know, like, I'm I'm profiting. I'm making a bunch of money off of their likeness. It has nothing to do with me. Maybe I can play the songs and, you know... And that's that's an accomplishment. Maybe and I can s- sound just like it. That's a that's a worthwhile skill. Is these aren't unskilled musicians doing this yeah. for sure. Um, it has nothing to do with that. But it was it was sort of like he just felt like it was kind of gross, you know. And uh, 
And it, it was just, it's kind of sad. Like, so and I guess the reason it spurred up to me, and I, we can get back to the AI thing, but I think it sort of correlates. No, it does um, It's, we were, I did a gig this a couple of days ago, and uh, like, there's a topic of some of the local festivals, and like, when I say local, I mean like Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Toledo, um, Erie, Detroit, or whatever, right? These are all cities within a reasonable distance for us to get. Um, and, and so you apply for these festivals and, and whether you get in or not, but then you look at like who gets in and you just see all these tribute bands, you know, and somebody actually posted a picture in there of, they're like, there's this whole festival going on and it's like this really big festival. And it was like 90% tribute bands. And it's like, well, like that just sucks. I think it sucks. That I agree with, because I think the difference between covering it, I mean, obviously, there's a difference between covering a song and doing it in your own style and then doing it exactly like the other guys did, because that's not covering it. That's basically... Yeah, and I actually actually don't really have a problem with the cover band thing. Like, it's not my thing. I don't really like it that much, but I get it. It's like the traveling minstrel or whatever, but like... Somebody, this is this is like a human thing that's been going on forever. Somebody came with their lute, sang some popular songs that they knew, but they probably put their little own spin on it. Maybe added a couple verses to the song, you know, like all the time. Yeah, I mean, like that was just like a that's just like that's human nature. That's just like how we roll. Yeah, um, and I I think that's actually a really good thing. And whether or not I like all the songs they're playing or not, it's irrelevant. They're popular songs. People like to hear them. It's part of just the culture of like humanity and social experiment or whatever. That I have no real problem with it. I don't get why it's more popular than original bands or like why you're seeking out to hear the songs you like. But whatever, I I can kind of get it. It's the yeah. tribute. This a tribute band thing that I'm like. It's just it's not even really music. I feel like at a certain point, it's really just a spectacle. It's just a. Oh, it's just, yeah. it's, just it's, a, it's a piece of entertainment. And it's funny, somebody else commented, they're like, so many of those groups just play to tracks, too. So they're just mimicking. Oh, my God. They're just mimicking, like, the thing and just dressing like it. And it's like, well, so that's what you, like, that's what you want to see? Like, that's what, like, I mean, I know some of these guys are, I mean, they literally are making, like, multiple six-figure whatever. And uh, touring around, making good money, playing to let's just say 1,500 to five or 6,000 people playing these festivals to 10, 20,000 people uh, making, you know, 50 to hundred grand on those gigs or whatever. You're like, I don't understand the appeal to it, but back to the AI thing, it's like, well, if that's successful, geez, the AI thing is probably going to really take off. Maybe they're right. Maybe they should worry. Maybe the tribute bands should worry because they're going to get replaced (laughs) by AI. Uh, who knows? You know, I don't know. It's like, we'll make a holographic image of Freddie that, Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Oh, the, the, so the Zappa. Did you ever hear about the Zappa thing? No. Uh, um, okay. So this is kind of, I'm going to try to shorten a very long story down. Um, so there's four Zappa kids, right? There's Dweezil, Ahmed, oh, yeah, okay. Moon Unit, and uh, Diva, right? So then it got split um, between, well, all right. First off, Dweezil is like a guitar player, great guitar player. Um, he's been doing the Zappa plays Zappa tour for ten plus years or whatever, and it really just like spent like a ton of time like really learning his dad's songs and even like 
like learn all these solos and stuff. Like he really like spent a lot of time to learn it. Um, he's a he's a fantastic musician, right? So he goes and tours with this group, but he had this agreement with his mom who like. Um. Anyway, she she like was like, well, all the merch sales that you get from Zappa because it's the Zappa name, you have to give fifty percent or whatever to the Zappa Family Trust. And he was like, yeah, that's fair or whatever. But then I guess he like never got paid for any of it. He had to like give all the money, and they never paid him back. But then uh, when his mom died, then Amit and Diva took over, and like they got the majority of the state. And Juizo and Moon Unit didn't get the rest, right? Like, they were, they're outvoted in the Zappa Family Trust. And uh, then it was like, Juizo couldn't use the name Zappa or something like that in his, like, thing. Even though it's... Anyway, so he, so long story short, though, then, um, uh, so Juizo had to, like, change his whole thing or whatever. But then the Zappa Family Trust put together a band and like we're using like a Frank holograph or something to like play in the band. Oh jeez. <laughs> so like I don't I don't know how it turned out, but there's actually really good like Mike Keneally's in it and like there's like really great musicians in it. So there's a lot of I don't know what you know, it's hard to feel out the drama there, but I guess the point that I was trying to make is like here's like holographic whatever. If you can do that with Frank, now imagine adding AI to it. You can have him say whatever you want. Yeah, well, they already did that with Michael Jackson, too. Yeah. Holographic Michael Jackson. Yeah, for, and that was like 15 years ago, probably, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't think... No, I was out of... I was out of college by then, so definitely not that long. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But regardless, the same point applies with that. Is that, you know, that is just basically just holding on to the coattails of the family name to pull in more yeah. cash. You know, and I don't... Like, I'm more comfortable with it when it's the kids doing it because that's the, that's them. You know, they grew up. It's yeah. their dad that's done. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So it's like that. That's fine because it's literally in your blood. But when it's you know Joe Schmo and they just basically do the exact same thing, and they're taking off doing the tribute thing, and your old man is dead, and you're not seeing a dime. From something else, though there could be something there. I could see where that would royally piss me off. You know, I'd be like, "What the hell, man?" <laughs> you know, let's split it fifty-fifty. Because trust me, you guys wouldn't be on stage with that draw without that name on it. Yeah, and that's where the issue is. Is like, well, so, to- so I was asking about that with the tribute bands, and it's like, I think that they get like royalties, the band, but it's just like you're normally like if a cover band came in, you get some royalties. So the venue deals with the royalties. So I guess what I'm saying is your Zoso or whatever, like as far as I know, only like 45 cents for each time you play or whatever, it goes to Zeppelin, even okay. though, you, even though you just sold 10,000 tickets. Yeah. You know, whatever. yeah. It's like, that, that seems wrong. I feel like more of the money should go to Zeppelin in that case. Especially when it's that level of detail. It's not like some guy on a, with an acoustic guitar and a Yeah, bomb. you're trying to steal the likeness and everything. Or not steal, yeah, but you're trying like, to copy the likeness. Yeah. It's a, yeah, come on, where's it really the difference to an extent? But it's like, when it's an exact copy, when you're calling yourselves a tribute to whatever band, you yeah. dress, you act like them, you try to memorize the stage banter and putting it out yeah, there. Right. That's a whole other level of taking something than... 
I just have the chords, so I'm going to sing this song up in a yeah. coffee hot stage. You know, um, so that's that's a totally different thing. So if you're up on stage and you're just doing some cover tune, following the chords, 45 cents, fine. But, you know, again, if you're like, I bought the official Kiss makeup and do it the exact same proportions that Gene Simmons did and bought the high-heeled shoes and go around calling myself Gene Simmons, but I spell it J-E-A-N rather than G-E-N-E. That's like, dude, you would not be famous in any regard whatsoever if that other band didn't exist. Uh, whatsoever. And which is where I can see where I would have beef with that. It's like, you're not famous in your own right. You're riding the coattails of somebody else's success. And I, it's tough to be coming from a space of pure artistry complaint on that without a little bit of, damn it, that's a good way to make money. (laughs) Um, Well, again, so it's funny. I started my post with like, I don't regret, literally, I'm like, I don't begrudge any musician who does this path. Like, it's a good way to support yourself and your family and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, again, I mean, it's, no one's coming to see you. They're coming to see that other group. It's, yeah, it's kind of a, as that other group. I just don't get like, you know what it is? I don't, have, I don't have any idea <laughs> like why. I have it. I have it. It's musical catfishing. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, now that everybody hates me. Um, but, I, just, I don't get the appeal. So, so one of the things that came up in the conversation on there um, was, um, well, an orchestra is just a Beethoven thing or whatever right? yeah the cover, the, that whole cover man and thing. i was like well i i guess i don't see it the same way one um there's so much interpretation in classical music and intentionally so mm-hmm. um or there should be <laughs> there's sort of <laughs> there's sort of a bad trend on that front but we'll ignore that topic for right now there and then there's uh the fact that like an orchestra right like it's not just the Beethoven orchestra generally, right? It's like yeah. they play the fifth and they probably play like Brahms or something else that day. And then the next week they play Tchaikovsky and Mahler or whatever, right? Like yeah. they're not. And, they, and then like the conductor doesn't dress up like Beethoven when it's you know, no, like no. Beethoven week. Um, and then, you know, you can listen to the same, the same piece by different conductors. And sometimes it can be, pretty darn different between oh, totally. you know totally. so and, and somewhat intentionally so like and one might be 10 literally like 10 minutes longer than the other version or whatever mm-hmm. um so i don't feel like it's the same i mean certainly there's there's an angle there that's similar but um that's not really the intent of the classical music the, the classical music uh, orchestra right is is trying to present music in the best way they can in the best interpretation of their musical abilities or whatever that they can. Uh, but it would be fair to say that it's not like the oboist makes any decisions in that regard, right? It's purely the conductor's sort of thing. 99.9%. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, so. it's really the conductor's interpretation. And I think that's fair. So, so one of the, another argument that I saw was that, well, there's a lot of musicians who are pretty good, but they can't write anything and they don't, you know, um, or they're not very good at writing and they don't have their own groups or whatever. And, um, they're not particularly original. Um, so they, you know, 
it's a good fit for them to play in tribute bands or the orchestra or whatever because they're not necessarily creative in that that respect but very proficient at the instrument um and i think that's that's a fair assessment too but again <laughs> i i don't i don't see those things the same i i just don't i really honestly feel like it's the same thing to see a tribute band as it is to go see star battles. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you're not even trying to be like, you're not even trying to be different. And people say, well, I've seen multiple Beatles tribute bands and they didn't sound the same. And some were good and some were bad. But that, but, but that wasn't, that's just like a human thing like that. Is it, would it still be okay for me to make star battles with all my friends? And I put the people that look the most like the people from the original movie in those roles, you know, and maybe none of us are actors. We're not any good at it. And, then, and maybe we don't play, maybe I would even record all the instruments myself, you know, mm-hmm. but I copy, literally copy the whole thing. <clears throat> wouldn't that be, wouldn't that seem wrong? Like, would you go see that movie? You know, that's a trick. Have you seen the Princess Bride remake? No, did they actually make it? I thought they. That no, was- here's the thing. Here's the thing with that. Um, they did, but it's an unofficial remake. It was basically all these actors acting out the scenes, recording it on their cell phone. Uh-huh. And it's hysterical. I mean, it is absolutely to the T, quotes the movie the whole thing. You know, terrible set designs because it's like in their backyard, you know, and yeah. whatever. But it's brilliant. It, it's absolutely on point, and I loved it. It was like an hour, it, it, same length, everything through the movie, you know. And, and it would be like a different actor for the main role every scene yeah, because right. an actor would do it, you know. Um, yeah, but they did get Fred Savage to reprise his role uh, a little bit, and then it, it, it was like all Seth Rogen was in it. Uh, the guy from Mad Men was in it. I'm trying to pick up the scenes that stuck out. Uh, who's the guy that plays Strax? Uh, what's his face? Dave Batsitsa was in it yeah. as Andre the Giant. You know, and like, so it was all like, if you could imagine somebody playing that role, some it, they they did it, and it was great. Like, it's definitely worth checking out. I'll send you the link, but it, it's a hysterical thing to watch because you know, it, it, I grew up watching The Princess Bride on Same. Re- yeah. You know, so it. Uh, Have you shown your kids that, yet? Not yet. Oh, my I, kids love it. I gotta get them. Into they'll, it. They'll, yeah, they'll love it. It's like it's easy. Hopefully, you know. There's been other stuff where I thought it'll take off with the kids, and they're like, "What is this?" Like I tried showing them Star Wars, and they're like, "This is boring." Oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. My my youngest in particular doesn't like Star Wars at all. And I tried the Lord of the Rings, though I was grading the whole time. So when they said, "I don't," okay, fine, let's stop it. Uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings didn't go very far. Harry Potter has had no traction in my house. Harry Potter got traction here, but not uh, not the Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. Uh, I feel like the Matrix is going to be a hit, but I feel like my I it would be unfair to show my kids that movie until they're at least teenagers. Yeah, because you got to understand what's kind of like... Like, there's like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, psychological... Or not, like, what is it? Philosophical. Philosophical, idea. yeah. Like, you'd have you to know? you have to go a little bit deeper and understand yeah, some things. you can't just, like, watch the, the action and think that... I mean, you can be entertained by that, but you don't get the fullness of what's happening when you try to get what they're picking at. Yeah, with, yeah I, w- I want them to have that same experience of, like, they, they wake up, you know, and you're like, oh, wait, what? Like... <laughs> yep. 
Yep. Holy, wow, could that be real? Like, you want yeah. you want them to have that sort of existential crisis when they watch it, right? Yep. Um, that was that was the beauty of that movie. So you and, you'd be selling them short if you if you show it to them too early, right? But I, I will say this much: this I, I read through all of Shakespeare when I was in my teenage years, and I just started. Uh, what is it? The guy that played Moriarty in the, the uh, latest with Benedict. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. Yeah. Yeah, he was phenomenal. And he plays the lead in Hamlet. And oh my God, dude. He's brilliant. But it was when like. Did, I, when did that come out? I don't know. I just caught clips of it and then watched the whole thing. But. But like he, in the last like 10 years or whatever, like yeah, they made a Hamlet I, movie? Okay. And not, it, it looks like it's a recording of a stage production. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but he's. One, he's brilliant. Two. It was like I finally got it. Like all the jokes, it was like it made sense to me. Now yeah, that yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, and I sure. can translate the old English a little bit faster. But it was absolutely brilliant. I don't know how we got on this, but regardless, um, <laughs> you know. It, you, but I think this ties in in the sense that like they're still doing Shakespeare. They're still d- word for word exactly what the guy did. Yeah. Now it's acting, and it's not the same level of being a musician and having to have a. a uh, following that and i guess in one sense would we be so intently not just i'm not fiercely against the tribute thing i can see the both angles of it but would it be the same level of angst if we looked at it like it was acting like if there was a if there was a movie called like the beatles thing and they paid actors yeah. and they played all the things we wouldn't take the same offense to that as we do to the same to the same level as a tribute band so to speak um, I guess what I what I is nothing against anyone again who's doing it right like these yeah, are absolutely not opt, absolutely yeah. phenomenal it's, um, musicians or actors or whatever you want to call them right they're, if they're, you have that call you take the gig if you look at the we'll give you this much okay yeah. <laughs> it's funny yeah. I had a friend that has recently tell me about uh, it was an all uh, ZZ Top one that they could do. And he'd be great for it, um, and he gets, and it's kind of a cool one, right? You get to play all these Billy Gibbons things or whatever. It's yeah. like that would be all right, but he's like, I don't think I could do it, so he he turned it down. But like he was like, the money was really hard to turn down. That that tends to motivate me. I mean, to an extent, that's very motivating for me. <laughs> music that I don't like, but it's like okay, you know, if you see that zero, those zeros on the end of the check, it's like I'm in, you know. Yeah. Um, I think you should pick something at least. I mean, the people that I know that are successful in that, I mean, they really do like the music and they're, um, maybe they feel weird about it, but it's like some of their favorite groups. So I would suggest if you did that, I wouldn't be like, oh, you know what? I could do a Bonnie Riot one if you, a Riot one if you don't really listen to Bonnie Riot. Like, exactly. But maybe if it was like U2 or something, you know, like I know you like U2 or Coldplay or whatever, those kind of groups that you've liked in the past. He's like, oh, I, I've learned a lot of those songs, and I could probably like really work that up. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That the, the funny thing is, is like, it, and, like I could probably out. grow a goatee or whatever and wear a beanie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to shave my head though. Um, well, if you wear, you can get away with a beanie thing, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I yeah, mean, yeah, I, yeah. maybe I try shave the sides of my head, <laughs> just keep the hair on the top type of thing. Get, get some Vox AC30s, or, or isn't that what he used? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that's exactly what he used. Oh, man. 
Did you ever, on that note, did you ever, speaking of tribute stuff, here's the interesting thing. The latest album by U2 with that called Songs of Surrender. Haven't where heard they, it. they remade like all the hits off of all their albums. Okay. It's awful. It is terrible. Like, and I was like a huge U2 fan. I'm not, not so much anymore. I enjoy the music, but I'm not like, gotta see, gotta have everything. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, I'll check it out. And I, I was like, I had to stop. So I'm like, how do you screw this up so bad? Like, it sounded, to me, it was like, it was a YouTube cover band of old guys with a lot of money that bought great equipment that just wanted to play somewhere in a coffee house and kind of like got together and did it. And it's... But Adam, ter- have you heard St. Louis's own U3, <laughs> the number one U2 experience in the world? Even better than the original. Even better than the real thing. Yeah. There, you there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> you missed that shot. I missed it. <laughs> At least I was here to pick it up. But yeah, you know, it's like... Uh, now I'm going to that song in my head the rest of the night. Thanks. Yeah, it's great. Just play it back. But don't do the the new version of it. <laughs> I'm think. But it's worth giving a listen to to see how long you can make it through it. Like, I did, like, four tracks, and I did, like, some of the songs that I loved, and I'm like, oh, God, no. No, no, no. Get me the old stuff. And the funny thing was is I just thought I was being unbelievably pretentious, like I kind of am. And then I saw the reviews, and everybody's like, no, this was a bad idea. This was this was not something that should have been made public. You know, these are... Uh, <laughs> Like no, it just yeah. But they no. probably still sold like ten million copies. Oh, yeah, or whatever. I mean, at least this time when you had the option to listen to it or not, rather when they came out with uh, the, the I forget what album it was, but Apple put it on all. Oh of right, them. yeah. Uh, that was like you know I like you too, but I also like my decision making abilities. So you done you done messed up there, AA Ron. So it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'll give them credit that they've always tried to be somewhat on the forefront of technology. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, they didn't play the old Rockstar card. Nope. They they continually developed themselves when they decided to develop themselves. This Songs of Surrender was a retardation of their musical movement. It's forward. a cash cash in. Do they it still own, do they still own their songs or do they sell it to one of those things? No, they still they still own their songs and they're actually doing like a residency in Vegas. They should just sell them at this point. But that's yet another thing. That's a, a bit of a, a thing that can, can that goes in with the tribute type of thing. Selling those songs is basically enabling all that type of tribute thing and covers and no real pushing forward of the musical ideas because the the main reason people are buying them is to cash in on the replays. You know, it's not like we're buying this outside of just a monetary investment. It's oh, not like. And that that's stifling the innovation. And this is, I think we talked about this before, but that's the one thing where I was like, I totally respect Taylor Swift going, okay, fine, you bought them. I'm re-recording them all. Right. You know, and it's like giving them the big middle finger and walking away. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. You know, and kudos to her for doing that. Um, I barely ever have listened to her stuff whatsoever, but that's me. Um, and and the, it's the problem, it's you? No, I was kidding. <laughs> it's me. It's a problem with me. Yeah, uh, I do know that song because one of my students wanted to learn it. Did you see the um, that Ticketmaster trial, which thing or in the Senate or whatever? And it was it was just like a total spectacle as well. It was just a, like trying to get rid of the fees. Type of thing well, it was like Ticketmaster's a monopoly. It yeah. was funny. It was like every senator was like 
like it didn't matter if they were Republican or Democrat. They were like, you're obviously a monopoly. Like this is bullcrap. Yeah. Like nothing's happening, right? But yeah. what was annoying about it was literally like every one of the uh, senators would be like, "Have you looked at yourself? Maybe you're the problem." You know, whatever. <laughs> like every like Taylor Swift sort of like. Maybe you could shake it off, you know. Or I don't like any like. They, it was it was so terrible. It was like just yeah. terrible. And you they, know, they probably loved it because they're like, oh, we get to seem cool now that we know Taylor Swift isms. Does Taylor Swift use the internet on my phone? <laughs> Does that make this? It's like watching watching senators talk about technology is just like you know I. As much as my mom can't use technology oh, yeah. to save her life, she's clearly more capable. Oh, like than all the like the Twitter trials and Facebook trials uh, and stuff. It's always you, like you sit there like, oh my god! Like at least have your staffer fill you in on something basic. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and, yeah. Basically, you have no reality, no sense of reality of no, anything. No, no, not tied in with anything with that. And that's also the scary thing about with AI. It's like you guys are going to regulate this. Do you even have regular bowel movements? I mean, how the hell are you going to be? Well, you know, what's kind of funny, though, is that, yeah, that you, for that respect to it, they're going to say, well, don't make the AI be able to think about blah, 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 or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't really do that, but don't yeah. tell them. Yeah. <laughs> make them, just make them seem like they're important. Sure, that's a great idea. We'll make sure it doesn't well, do the thing that it doesn't do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so with the music aspect of it, it's like in terms of the creative thing, it's clearly got to have the inputs, regardless of what they are, from somebody being like, go ahead and do this. It's not like sure. AI is running in a, a thing and being like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing today. For now, I could potentially see somebody proging, programming it to gain some form of satisfaction from putting certain things together and having it accumulate its own tastes with that. Uh, it's kind of like that X-Files episode uh, going way back where they like, released uh uh proto basically it was trying to recreate life in the internet the way that it evolved with like a proto uh molecule coming together and following a protein yeah well we'll have this code and we'll release it on the internet and it'll propagate itself and create this own ai type of thing you know it's really fictional uh, at least at the time um now it's like well uh, could be done uh to an extent but you know, we're, we're clearly not to that level. So if something developed along those lines, the questions are, is like, is it going to be valid in terms of, is it really creative? Or is it something that, it, because it's doing what it's told, it happens to put things again a certain, together in a certain way, and therefore it's the output of the inputs of the person that programmed it. And then at what point does the original programming facilitate that particular script to become its own thing? Like the sentience question. It's like, well, you know, you put it. I don't think we're even close, but. Yeah, oh, I don't think we're even close with that in terms of AI. But I'm specifically looking at. I think, I think it's specifically because it's not meant to do that. Like, yeah, exactly. it's not configured in a way that that could even happen, really. Well, we're just building a smart tool. You know, it's just like. It's really still database searching and, like, making a probability against what stuff makes the most sense or not. It's, yeah. So the question is that's how that, like Deep Blue worked. That's how Watson works. That's how all these things work. But those were micro like Deep Blue at first was micro focused on chess and going through that. Yeah, and but then, it's still like it's a probability. Like oh, probability wise, this should this should be a better move. 
Did Carlson, ever, did Carlson ever play Deep Blue? I don't think he has. I know Kasparov did. Kasparov did. I don't... I don't think Carlson has. I, he probably wouldn't win. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at this <laughs> point... Dude, I watch... So we're talking chess right now, so I don't know if anyone's chess nerds. I saw a video the other day about Carlson. Um, he's basically, like, the GOAT right now, right? And... He's been champion for for anyone who doesn't follow chess, which is probably everyone listening. If there's anyone listening, <laughs> a, um, he's won like the championship the last five years. What's kind of funny about him, especially in the internet age, is what's that thing called Stockfish? Stockfish is like this uh, yeah. algorithm. I think it's even better than Deep Blue or whatever. It looks like all the like different like possible outcomes, and it's really. Um, whatever. And there's like a video where, uh, Magnus had got, it was like a 3850 rating after this game. And it was a, it was a speed game, like three minute speed it's, game. Yeah. And it was like, it's the most absurd. Like, so Stockfish is rated at 3,700. So it was even rated higher than Stockfish. And there was a move that he made that Stockfish like gave a super low rating to initially. And it was just like, the video was all about like how this move was even better than what Stockfish could think of. Um, and Stockfish looks at like the next hundred moves or whatever, and what the most probability likelihood of all these things to come out. So it like it was like this move's like a super negative move, like that was a stupid move basically. But Magnus had done this while he's like chatting with his buddies, like eating cereal or whatever in this speed chest thing, you know, and he makes <laughs> this move. They like stumped Stockfish, and at the end of the game review or whatever, it was like thirty-eight fifty was his rating at the end yeah. of the game. It's I insane, insane. He's, so it's like it's one of those like th- that's what AI doesn't do, right? It doesn't have instinct. So that was obviously an instinct move from Magnus. I think they said he looked at it for like twenty seconds, but it was still like there's no way he calculated every possible scenario. Yeah, well that's. Out. That but was he, the underlying But thing. he sort of saw something else, right? Like he saw like he saw it develop in his head and he was able to like quickly get to that like, oh, this is gonna work, I think. If this works, if this person doesn't do this other thing or whatever. Um so well, I, I don't know, it's just it's fascinating to think about. So that's like an instinct which is like the the, the thought instinct. of your uh it's like your conscious thought couldn't have ever done it, but your unconscious thought does it right yep and that's a that's a lot of music that's what i was going to say that's a lot of music that's where that's where weird it's like you know if you take the chord progression for creep normally you wouldn't do something like that you just wouldn't put it in that particular order but it worked for them and it had that emotive value and it 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 stuck you know if you're just putting things together in a for lack of better terms in a robotic way because it happens to be formulaic you miss the potential emotive thing with that so, uh, and that ends up being a dead end. It just goes, doop, and it, 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 sure, it can sound okay, but you don't get the emotional drive, that that new chord that you pulled out of your butt, and it happened to be like, oh, that was a mistake, but it, that actually kind of works, and and go with it. Right. Um, you know, and with the, the Carlson thing, you know, it's like, and that's the difference between a composer and a computer doing it. A computer will, t- like, the chess computers look at, like, six billion possibilities. Yeah, right. Action and Magnus is thinking of three because he knows the rest of them aren't valid because like these aren't. Yeah, he did are... some homework and there's yeah there's so much like interesting things. Yeah, I say it's kind of like um, ear training is a funny thing in music because we spend all this time like understanding intervals and 
um, hearing chords and be able to, to like write it down and all that stuff. But like on the bandstand, especially as an improvising in, a musician, um, there's a lot of times where I hear something and I just play it mm-hmm. back. I don't think intervals. I don't think chords, but I can play it back like just instantly without yeah. even thinking about it. It's very natural. And it's, it, I'm not thinking about intervals, not thinking about where it is in the chord. I don't, I'm not thinking about how it is in the harm. I'm not thinking about, there's not enough time for that. There's no, there's no time at all for that. So there's sort of like this built in, like thing in the back of my head that hears it. And it's like, Oh, it's, it's that, but I could, I could never consciously do that in real time. It's not even possible. Yep. And so how do you quantify that stuff? So the AI is not doing that and it's probably not processing it. Well, even though how, it's that fast, even you know, how are you going to be able to to do that at a, at an artificial level? Because that's a, that's exactly what Jack. Uh, when I was getting lessons from Jack Chance, he said he's like, you start with the analytical stuff up here in the front of your brain, and you're thinking about it all, and then the sound and the way that the harmony functions together quickly becomes, or through practice becomes second nature. And it becomes an instinctual thing. So where you don't even think about, well, I'm going to play this particular scale over this. You just do it. Because it, it, it's how you've heard it and how you've drilled it. And it seems like it would yeah, be... You, should, you shouldn't, when you're, you're improvising, you shouldn't be thinking like, oh, this is a C major scale, or this is Dorian, or this is this chord. Yeah, or this exactly. That. You know, I, I, I never think that way outside of when I'm distinctly practicing, you know, and I'm watching the harmony. That's the goal. I mean, it's, it's hard not to... Occasionally you go there, you're like, oh, what key was this in again? But like... Yeah. But um, hopefully you could let that go when you're playing and then, yeah, it's going to probably sound like crap for a while until you can like figure out how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Nobody comes out sounding great uh, to start. <laughs> Did you ever see, there's that Victor Wooten video that goes around and he's like, yeah, music theory is easy. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, it's not. But I get, I get what he's saying. No, it, was, it wasn't that one. It was the, uh, there's like this groove playing and he's like, boom, he's like now listen folks every note is gonna sound good like this is how we should teach music we shouldn't be teaching like this is the right key or bad key or whatever um and uh he's like i don't have perfect pitch there's a groove going on i don't know what note it is he's like oh i could find it but like He's like, let me just show you. And so he just plays like, you know, like kind of plays up the scale. And he's just like, look, like any note will work because of this groove and how it goes against this thing. But that's a whole other thing. Anyways, I was just reminded by it. But he. So that would be the other test: is how would you program an AI to improvise? Have you ever listened to Band in the Box? No. So Band in the Box is this tool that uh, jazz musicians, not, not so much anymore because there's the I, the I Real book. Yeah. Uh, but you can still buy it. Um, and I guess it's getting better. It's kind of like Finale. Like it's like these, takes 8,000 years to get like a minor update, even though there's new updates all the time. <laughs> like it doesn't really get any better from version to version. But, uh, <laughs> but you still pay the extra $200 for it. Um, anyway, Band in the Box... It will do like improvised solos <laughs> from the computer, and they're really bad. Like they're really, yeah. really bad. Um, it's pretty funny. It's comical to hear, but it's based on like you know sound judgment. 
it's like, okay, the most important notes are these chord tones, and like you should probably land on a chord tone on a strong beat, and those kind of things. And it, it sort of plays with the rules that were implemented, but you realize quickly that like those rules aren't very good. Like that's not necessarily musical. Yeah. Um, like music, like music theory should always follow music, not the other way around. And it sort of it always has. Though that's the, that's the thing that everybody I think is a big. Thing well, it has, but it isn't in a way. Like that, it's a problem with jazz education in particular right now. Um, maybe less so with classical, but it's sort of hard to compare with classical because yeah, it's a different beast. Because people are playing pieces, mostly playing pieces that are quite old at this point. Um, so. Or oh, there's sort of like this delineation, like I'm a performer and I'm a composer, right? There's a pretty big gap there. But in jazz, there's a lot of like, you're sort of doing all of those things. Um, but maybe not to the same degree. But regardless, um, the, the way to teach it in college, it's been sort of broken because that's not what jazz was ever really about. So it's like, oh, let's make a system that you follow to learn how to improvise. So here's the bebop scale, and here's how you could apply it, and here's the uh, chord scale theory and stuff like that. And this is how you, this is like the Berkeley, um, I don't want to call it, it's the Berkeley curse or something like that that happened. <laughs> that, uh, that now everybody uses these systems instead of, they didn't really learn it the right way anyway. Um, uh, we could argue about that another time, but yeah. So then you start applying those rules to it, and you get this sort of really stagnant kind of uh, jazz. Well, it improv. goes back to the whole thing of the cookie cutter guitar players. Yeah, that technical skills out the butt, but if you played them all and switched between them, I wouldn't be able to tell which one's which. Sure. It's you know to, to an extent, and there's obviously standouts, but. Um, you know, and maybe that's also because part of the. I remember when I was getting my master's degree, the uh, comps they handed me a sheet of paper, and said, "Okay, who wrote the, what time period? Who wrote it? And what's the name?" Which was like, "Holy sh!" <laughs> you know, it, huge swaths. I got something by Haydn. I didn't get the piece right, but I got the composer right uh, with that. Well, that that's like you know thousands upon thousands of pizzas. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, right. But you can tell stylistically, usually composer-wise. Like that's something that I, I've noticed because I, I I love my car. I hate the fact that the radio comes on when I, when I, I turn it on. I just want it to go right to my phone. You know, I don't care. I never listen to the radio, so I just turn it to the classical station just to have something. And it's at a point now where it's like the car turns on. I'm like, oh, that's Mozart's this, and boop, oh look, I'm right, cool. Because yeah. you know, the radio will display what the or the, it comes on the display what the radio is playing. I'm like, oh. All that paid off. Yay, useless skill. <laughs> you know, it's a, I'm highly specialized in something that will never save somebody. But okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's still fun. Um, sure. But it's, uh, it's... Yeah. So anyways, the fundamental thing with the AI is that it's not at the level where everybody thinks it's at. The music that is being quote-unquote created is not being created by the AI itself. It's being, by, being created by the programmers telling the AI what to do. You know, ultimately, the AI goes. Well, oh, it's pull. It's pulling from stuff that's already known. From our, mm -hmm. Yes, it's pulling from the artists that have the big hits and basically saying, "Well, that works, so we're just going to keep going with that." 
you know, to an extent. Uh, granted, for full disclosure, I haven't listened to the, that Drake song, the whole or Drake Weekend smash up through the whole thing. You know, it's like, oh, ah, that sounds like it. Okay, moving on. You know, it uh, is the way that I approach that. So I don't um, subscribe to the thing that it's going to take everything over. I can see the issues that we previously discussed in terms of like Taylor Swift singing Bohemian Rhapsody or, you know, stuff like that. The entertainment and spectacle value is huge. So clearly that's going to be, there's going to be a burst of that once it becomes accessible to everybody, sure. everyday people. They're just going to be like, what if, you know, Madonna sang you know, the P.A. Yesu by 4A? You know, God, no, but okay, whatever. Um, the, uh, it, but it's, it's just one of those things that you can just do just for, uh, for fun. For the full entertainment. And that's honestly where things could take off because on a, that's the way some stuff has happened it's just been some guy in his basement so, okay here's, here's a question let's say uh you have mc hammer <laughs> to uh walk by pantera right like hey, that video goes viral do you who gets paid for that that's yeah. Does Pantera get paid for because their song, or does MC Hammer get paid for because he's the performer? Like, how does that? <laughs> Where do you do with the rights distribution with that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not really sure. Problems. We'll leave that for the lawyers. That'll probably be AI, and we can let them all argue about it. There was a case with some lawyer that just used an AI to argue his case. And the AI cited cases that never existed. Like, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, right. yeah, I think we're far away from Skynet. But um, <sighs> the, the, uh, the that right there, that's a problem. I'm pretty sure he got, got like, disbarred and stuff, too. I you think. know, it, that, the, that aspect of it is still ongoing. Like, they're, they're, they're pushing it. And he's like, man, like, I didn't know. And it's like, well, you should it's know. It's your job. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah that, that would be like, yeah. I, oh, man. Not, not to sidetrack, I know we're running a little out of time on this thing. We should probably wrap things up a little bit, too. But they, and, yeah, we've been going for a while. They, I did a jury duty thing. I don't know if we talked about that. But, like, one of the things I realized specifically was don't trust your lawyer to take care of you. No, no. I mean, you, I, you've got to do a lot of work on your own. So if you ever... Something happens to you. Either way, by the way, not the defendant versus prosecution. Like in this particular case, the prosecution just blew it, in my opinion. They they could have just done a few things that would have been enough to like maybe sway the case, but they left so much reasonable doubt that it was like really you didn't like think that we would be interested in this particular information, and there was no way to ask for it or anything like that. Yeah. So I was like, certainly the person who was on that side would have been like, why don't you have that? <laughs> you know? So um, just assume, regardless if you're in a trial somehow, that you could not trust your lawyer, no matter how good they are or not. You should, you should spend a lot of time and effort. It's human fallibility. The simplest thing is like, you're going to yeah. fail yourself. But if you're hiring somebody to do a job, yeah. you better, like just, just assume that like the people you're working. I mean, unless you're like a zillionaire and you can buy like the high, highest best law firm ever. That's and even those really, guys work on a team. Like it's not like well, yeah, they, they probably have, have some, some kind of like pride. Like we have to win or whatever. But like yeah. if you're like local whatever crappy court, like these people are not like the top of the class. 
lawyers or whatever, right? You're like, you're not probably not affording that person. So you're affording the person that, uh, you know, like they got past the bar or whatever, and they're probably pretty smart, but like, it's a job. They're like, they like to go do other things. Like they have other hobbies they're interested in. You know, like they're not, they're not like just obsessed with the law or whatever. Like, they have they're human so you, you gotta help them out a little bit what is it uh, they need to be Gareth Coot story the maritime lawyer I don't even know what that means arrested, arrested development oh Bob Law Law and Bob Law Law Bob Law Law Lobs Law Law God it was so good so good disappointing it's gone anyway so thank you all for joining us on this yeah. Recap, refresh of Wood Air and Metal. We'll try to get more of these out now that life has gotten some. Yeah, it's summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. Yeah, where it's hot as hell and I'm still wearing a sweatshirt. It so. has not rained here in like three weeks, so everybody's That's grass true. is dead too. So it's fun. Which is nice for me not having to cut it. Yeah, that word. <laughs> Amen to that. I can practice more. Yeah. All right. So we'll see you all in the next one. Peace.